Hey guys, it's Pete Mundo. Thanks for downloading our uh, special Selection Sunday podcast as myself and Matthew Postens take a look at the brackets, how they worked out for the Big 12, and where they go from here. Please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Do it and then email me and we'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. So email me a screenshot of your rating and your review to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. And we'll get the koozie right in the mail for you. Appreciate it, guys. We'll talk to you soon. All right, well, the brackets are set, and it is time for March Madness. I'm Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. It is a podcast edition as we're joined by, as we've done each and every week during the uh, Big 12 basketball season, Matthew Postens right here on HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Matthew, first off, uh, Big 12 tournament, let's talk about that for a minute. You and I were there. Um, my first time being there for the whole week and covering it. Yours as well here in Kansas City. Uh, what was your takeaway the the entire week's events? Well, I, I think they've got the perfect location, in all honesty. Uh, I know we some folks kind of wring their hands a little bit with uh, it, it seems like Kansas City hosts that tournament every year. But really, if we're talking about having the best possible place to host that, I can't think of any place better. I, I covered the one of the Turkish Airlines Center down here in Texas about 15 years ago, and um, you know, it's a nice area down there in downtown, but uh, Kansas City really puts on a great show. Great arena. You've got a great uh, nightlight next door at the uh, Power and Light District. Uh, everything is so compact downstairs, downtown. You don't really need a car to, to get around and, and get to where you want to go. Um, just a lot of fun the whole weekend. I was really impressed with uh, the show they put on uh, for fans and for media alike. And uh, with the women's tournament returning there next year uh, to Kansas City, uh, it's going to be a heck of a week because it's going to be going on concurrently with the men's tournament. It'll actually, uh, the men's final will be Saturday, the women's final will be Sunday. So it's going to be a lot of fun next year. Yeah, and uh, to give a little more, more perspective on that, as somebody that lives here in Kansas City, you will have the men's tournament at Sprint Center like you do each and every year. The women will be playing at the old Kemper Arena, which some people might be familiar with. It's now called the High V Arena. It was uh, redone. It's reopened just in the past few months as the High V Arena. So uh, you're right, Matthew. I thought, as someone that lives up here, I, I thought the city did a, did a fantastic job. I thought they covered it incredibly well. Uh, you're right. It all just works really, really well. Got great props from Fran Fraschilla of ESPN on Twitter about how Kansas City did. So uh, you're right. Now let's stay in Kansas City because the Midwest Regional is going to be in Kansas City. And one of the most... Uh, Interesting things about this bracket, Matthew, is Kansas is the four seed in the Midwest Regional. Iowa State is the six seed. And a lot of people are not happy, Matthew, that Kansas, which did not win the regular season and did not win the Big 12 tournament, could find itself with a Sweet 16 game 40 miles away from home. What say you? Well, you know, that's one thing that Bill Self talked about. Uh, somebody asked him, I think, after the semifinal game, you know, Bill, have you, you know, considered where you guys might fall in the tournament and uh, how that might impact whether or not you guys get to play in Kansas City or not? And he said he hadn't paid attention to it. I'm sure that he had. But, you know, <laughs> what he did say was that the committee does take into account with the top four seeds, 
you know, location in terms of where to send them. Now, they, they put them in whatever regions they want to, but because of the pod system, they can send a team like Kansas to Kansas City for the Midwest Regional if that's what they want to do. And that's what they decided to do in this situation. Kansas was a four seed. They had, um, and the committee was able to take that into account. You know, they kind of took that into account with uh, Texas Tech, too, when they put them in the West region. You know, Tech fans at least have a, it's a sizable drive, but at least they're they're close. They're nearby because they're in Tulsa for the first two rounds. So um, you can't get the geography right. It just, it, it never works right every single year. I can certainly understand Iowa State's frustration in seeing uh, Kansas uh, with the possibility of being in the Midwest Regional, potentially playing them, uh, I think, uh, at some point, perhaps in the Sweet 16. Uh, I can understand that frustration completely, but, you know, it's an impossible job with the geography and where teams are located. You don't know. There's no. There's not as much balance as you'd like to see in the teams that actually get there. So, this was probably the best they could do. Um, you know, I, I think I feel like with your when you're a four seed, you probably shouldn't get that much preferential treatment. Uh, but the NCAA also knows that having Kansas in that region, if they make the Sweet 16, it's pretty much guaranteed gate uh, for the. Uh, uh, Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight that weekend. So yeah, um, there's a little bit of business. There's a little bit of a business decision there too. Well, I think that's what it comes down to, right, Matthew? I mean, you know, money talks, and you're right. I mean, if you have Kansas in a Sweet 16 game, uh, I mean, we saw it. Although Iowa State fans, I think, probably had that building 60-40 on Saturday night. I mean, Kansas is, is going to sell the place out. So um, I, it's just, I guess it is. I can see the frustration around. Um, the rest of the conference and just the rest of the country to say, hey, this is a down year for Kansas, and they still are getting some preferential treatment. But uh, as you said, money talks. This is the moneymaker for the NCAA this year, so every year. So we get it. Um, Iowa State, I know that fan base would have no problem finding itself in a regional in Kansas City, coming back down here again after the week they had this past week. Ohio State and then potentially Houston or Georgia State uh, were you surprised by Iowa State down at a six seed and, and the draw that they got? Um, not really at six. I mean, when you take into account that they, uh, going into the conference tournament, both uh, Joe Lunardi at ESPN and Jerry Palm at CBS had them on the seven line uh, in terms of seeding. Mm-hmm. Once they beat Kansas State in the semifinals, they both moved them up to the six line. Um, when I checked the bracket this morning, I, I don't think either one of them had moved them up past that six line. So, um, you know, Lenardi and, and Palm seemed to game it out pretty well in terms of where they ended up. You could make a case, you could make an argument that, you know, winning your conference tournament like they did as a five seed, uh, they should probably get a little bit more, uh, maybe bump them, up to, bump them up to a five. But, you know, the committee takes a lot of things into account. One of the things they do take into account is your record you know, in your final 10 to 15 games of the season. And remember, going into the Big 12 tournament, Iowa State had lost six of their final eight regular season games. So they were not going into the tournament on a high uh, in terms of their quality of play. Uh, So that may have played a factor in the fact that they ended up as a six rather than maybe as a five. But when you look at what's in that region and the way things fell, if they had been a five, uh, they would have ended up with New Mexico State. Uh, they wouldn't have ended up in Tulsa. They might have ended up in Salt Lake City instead. Um, Iowa State, I think, or Ohio State, I think, is a good matchup for them. 
Um, it's a it's a team that I think is is very beatable the way they're playing right now. Uh, and then when you get past the next round, Houston, you know, I know that Houston's been one of the best teams in the country all year, uh, but we saw UCF go into their building uh, the weekend that uh, game day was there and take Houston down. So, you know, Houston is a beatable team, and they played the kind of pace that Iowa State likes to play. So that could be a really interesting second-round matchup should the uh, Cougars advance past Georgia State. Matthew, do you see a deep run from either Big 12 team in this region? North Carolina is the one seed in the Midwest. Tennessee's the, excuse me, Kentucky's the two. Um, you mentioned right there Houston as the three. Do you see Kansas or Iowa State making a deep run in this Midwest bracket? I think it's possible for both of those teams to get to Kansas City. I mean, uh, when you look at the matchup that Kansas might have in the second round, it's probably going to be Auburn, but if they manage to get past uh, Northeastern in the first round. It could it be New Mexico State if the Aggies are able to uh, upset Auburn. And, and the Aggies have 30 wins this year. They're no slouch. They're a really good basketball team. Uh, they've beaten some very good teams out there in non-conference play. So um, there's an opportunity, I think, there for Kansas to pounce, especially if Auburn gets upset in the first round. As for Iowa State, I think Ohio State's beatable. I think they'd have to play a really good game against Houston to win, but Again, because they both play the same type of pace of play, and they both play that same sort of up-tempo, want to shoot the three, want to get up and down the floor. I think that plays into their favor. They don't have to really change anything of what they do. They just have to continue to play the kind of defense they're playing right now, the defense they played at the Big 12 tournament. So I think there's a fair chance that at least one of those teams could get to the Sweet 16 in Kansas City, and I wouldn't be surprised if both of them made it as well. Interesting. All right. All right, Matthew, let's jump over to the West region where you have Texas Tech as the three seed and uh, they play Northern Kentucky. They would play the winner of Buffalo, the six seed, or it could be Arizona State or St. John's. Now, you also in that region have Baylor as the nine seed going up against Syracuse. Let's start with Tech and the draw that they got in general after getting ousted early in the Big 12 tournament. How do you think things shook out here for the Red Raiders? Well, I was a bit surprised that they didn't drop down to the four line after losing to West Virginia. I mean, that's a bad loss for them, uh, any way you slice it. And, you know, with, with having a bad loss like that, sometimes that can bump you down the line. Uh, the committee saw otherwise. I think they saw their body of work, especially those last 10 games of the regular season where they went 9-1. Uh, I think they took that into account. Uh, they, had a, they played a great schedule. Uh, they've got a very good net rating and a very good RPI rating. Uh, very good strength of schedule, everything that you're looking for from the committee in terms of you know putting them on that three line. I just thought maybe after losing to West Virginia the way they did, well, they might end up being a four instead. But uh, it's a good draw for them. Northern Kentucky is a team they should be able to beat. Uh, that second round has a real potential to be a real bugaboo for them. Uh, Buffalo, if you don't know a lot about Buffalo, they're, they're one of the best teams in the country. I know they're, they're out of the map, but at 31-3, and three, They've been playing great basketball all year. They've, they've played a lot of Power 5 conference teams and played them very well. So if it's Texas Tech and Buffalo, that's going to be a really interesting second-round game. I think that if they end up with Arizona State or St. Uh, St. John's uh, in the second round, I think those are both winnable games for the uh, uh, Road Raiders. I, I like their chances of getting out of that bracket and getting into the Sweet 16 
which for that group is going to be out west in uh, Anaheim, California. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Matthew, let's look at Baylor. They, they get uh, Syracuse in the first round as a nine seed. Then it would most likely be Gonzaga in round two. Um, you know, this is a Baylor team that has been up and down at points throughout the season. When you look at what they ended up as, who they're going to play, the draw that they got, the 8-9 is always a tough place to be to get to a Sweet 16. We know that. Um, how should Bears fans be feeling after also losing the quarterfinals of the Big 12 tournament? Uh, I don't know if I'd be feeling that great. I mean, Syracuse is a team that plays uh, quite a bit like Baylor does on defense and that they both want to play the zone. Baylor plays that 1-3-1. Syracuse plays that 2-3. When you have two teams that use zone defenses as their base half-court defense, games can get a little interesting because uh, zones are really designed to do two things. They're designed to make teams passive offensively, and they're designed to help give you an advantage on the glass because you have more players around the basket to rebound. When you put two teams together that do the same thing, it, it can become a kind of a battle of attrition. And I'm not exactly sure if Baylor can win a game like that right now. Uh, they struggled a little bit down the stretch. Uh, their, their quality of play kind of dropped a little bit. I was a little bit surprised that they lost the way they lost against uh, Kansas State in that uh, quarterfinal game. Uh, I expected them to play a little bit better. Uh, that could carry over into the next round. You know, that opponent that they've got in the first round, you know, Syracuse, it's a beatable opponent. Syracuse, you know, obviously plays a really good uh, conference schedule in the ACC, and they're, uh, they've beaten some quality teams this year. If Baylor gets past uh, Syracuse, I really don't see them beating Gonzaga. I know they lost in their conference tournament champion, uh, but Gonzaga has been consistently one of the top three or four teams in the country. Uh, they, this, their style of play is a real contrast to what Baylor wants to do, and I think that Baylor would probably struggle defensively with what Gonzaga can throw at them offensively. So mm-hmm. if Baylor wins a game in this tournament, that's great, but I don't see them getting much farther than that. Um, interesting, Matthew. So now if you look at that, that regional general um, in the West, I mean, you mentioned right there what you think Baylor's going to do. Tech, is this, is this a moment for Tech? They got to, what, Elite Eight last year before losing to Villanova, the eventual national champs. Are they looking at a regional final again in a perfect world here? Uh, it's possible, but they're probably going to have to beat Michigan to do it, and, and Michigan's going to be a really tough team to beat. Um, you know, they got to the Big Ten championship game today. Uh, I didn't see the results. I think Michigan State ended up winning that yep. game, but... When you look at the anchor teams in this bracket, you know, Gonzaga at one, Michigan at two, those are both really good, athletic, relentless basketball. And Texas Tech, from a defensive standpoint, those are the kind of teams that they really like playing because they, they, they want to exert their uh, defensive will upon an opponent. But those teams have a lot of athleticism and really know how to get up and down the floor. And they're led by a couple of coaches who really know what they're doing when it comes to the NCAA tournament. So for Tech, you know, getting to the Sweet 16, I give them better than a 50% chance of getting there. If they have to play Michigan in that Sweet 16 game, I think that's going to be a really tough ask for them to win that game and then move on. And then they'd have to potentially beat Gonzaga there in the regional final if, if things fall the way the seeds fall. So they've got a difficult road ahead of them uh, if they're if they're able to get into the Sweet 16. I, I like them getting out of the Sweet 16. I, I'm sorry, I like them getting into the Sweet 16 but I don't like them getting out of it. Gotcha. All right. Um, Let's go. No Big 12 teams in the East region. Let's jump over to the South. Oklahoma draws a nine seed 
against eight seed Mississippi. If they win that game, they would play Virginia. Although, uh, you know, <laughs> Virginia jokes, we can make plenty of those as a one seed once again this year going up against Gardner-Webb. Uh, but Oklahoma, they lose uh, somewhat surprisingly to West Virginia in the Big 12 tournament. They end the season dropping three of five. Uh, we know it was not a great end of the regular season for the, for the uh, Sooners. So is this overall, I mean, should Oklahoma fans be pleased with what they got here, or do you think it could have been a bit better? Uh, I think they should be, ple- be uh, pleased with what they got. I mean, when you consider they were 7-11 and 11 in conference play, yeah. um, four games under five hundred. the fact that they're a nine seed going into the first round and playing an Ole Miss team that uh, is undergoing a revival under Kermit Davis, I, I think that's something they should feel really good about. You know, both Lenardi and Palm had them as a 10, I believe, from consistently throughout the last month. So the fact that they got in, you know, uh, is pretty is, – is a little amazing given the conference record. But, um, you know, I, I don't think – I think nine is about as good as they could have done. And I think Ole Miss is going to present them with a really interesting opponent. Um, Oklahoma's been, you know, fairly inconsistent the last month, six weeks in the season – uh, this is a situation where I can easily see Oklahoma not advancing to the second round. Interesting. Interesting. Matthew Poston's joining us. All right, Matthew. Then, of course, we have Kansas State. And when you look at K-State and the draw that they have, they've got UC Irvine as a four seed. Then they would play the winner of Wisconsin, Oregon. They're also on the same side of the bracket as Oklahoma. So, theoretically, you could have an all-Big 12 Sweet 16. That's a ways down the road. But let's say Virginia's the one seed up there. Um, Kansas State? Co-Big 12 champs come up short in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, is this where you expected them, and, and what is kind of the outlook from here for the Wildcats? Uh, I thought they might drop a seed uh, from four to five. You know, uh, Jerry Palm actually had, um, at one point, had Kansas, Texas Tech, and Kansas State all as four seeds in his bracketology. I think that was about a week ago. So, you know, Kansas State holding steady despite the semifinal loss. Uh, I think that's probably as high as they could have gone. They might have been able to drop to five. But, you know, I look at this bracket, and I kind of like what I see here. I mean, UC Irvine has a gaudy record, but uh, they don't play, you know, the high quality of teams once they get into conference play that Kansas State sees. You get past that, and you see Wisconsin and Oregon. Oregon, the only reason Oregon's in the tournament is because they won the Pac-12 tournament title uh, last night. I was actually watching that game in the Power and Light District thinking to myself, well, somebody's bubble just burst because Oregon was not projected to get into the tournament at that point. Or it's Wisconsin, and Wisconsin's been kind of up and down all year. I mean, there's a there's a path there that I could see out there in San Jose where Kansas State could win both of those games and get into the Sweet 16 in the South because, like last year, their setup in terms of the bracket is really kind of advantageous. Uh, it's you know, they've got some tough teams out there, but it's not overwhelmingly tough, uh, I think, for them to get to the Sweet 16. It would help a lot more if Dean Wade is able to come back, but we probably won't know any more about that uh, until later this week. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, you sound pretty optimistic there about, about Kansas State. Um, Dean Wade is obviously, uh, people are hoping he's going to play. K-State fans really hoping to see him in the big dance. But of all these Big 12 teams in this thing, who do you see with the way the draws came out and how everybody's playing, who do you see potentially making the deepest run here? I could see Kansas State, Kansas, 
and Texas Tech all getting to the Sweet 16. I'm a little back and forth about Iowa State. I, I do like their draw, but they're going to have to beat Houston, and, and Houston's a really good team. So I think if I'm thinking Sweet 16, I'm thinking Texas Tech, I'm thinking Kansas, I'm thinking Kansas State. Then beyond that, it's really going to depend on what gets into those brackets when you get to the Sweet 16. I mean, potentially that Midwest Regional could be, if the seeds fall the way they usually they should fall, North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, and Houston. That would be a absolute gauntlet of a regional uh, Sweet 16 for Kansas to have to go through. And they, they would get North Carolina in that scenario in the semifinals and potentially Kentucky in the championship game. As young as that Kansas team is and as talented as it is, I'm not sure they could win two games like that in three days. And remember, Kansas got drilled by Kentucky in the Big 12 SEC Challenge in January. Not to say that Kentucky, uh, Kansas couldn't come back and change that, but they probably have the most difficult road if they get to the Sweet 16, whereas you know, if, if Kansas State gets there, potentially it's Virginia. Uh, I think uh, those two teams play very similar styles, and I think that's a matchup that would favor Virginia in that case. And then if Texas Tech gets to the Sweet 16, you're looking at a regional that could be uh, Gonzaga, uh, Florida State, Texas Tech, and Michigan. That's going to be a pretty difficult road there for the Red Raiders as well. Plus, it's out in uh, Anaheim, so their their fan base wouldn't necessarily be able to travel as readily as they would be able to for the games in Tulsa this weekend. So mm-hmm. those are my three teams that I think will get to the Sweet 16 as for who makes the deepest run. You know, Kansas is Kansas. They're very experienced. But I think if I'm, if I'm looking at the bracket and I'm looking at what's there, I think Kansas State might actually have the best shot of reaching the Elite Eight. Uh, they know how to play without Dean Wade. That's the good news. They had to do it last year. They got to the Elite Eight uh, in that bracket, uh, I think, in the East, uh, without him playing more than, I think, you know, the six minutes he played in the regional championship game. Uh, they could do it again, uh, but they're going to have to thread the needle perfectly to do it. Uh, Matthew, okay, so TCU and Texas don't make it to the big dance. We, we expected this for Texas. Um, uh, TCU, uh, surprise. I mean, you mentioned Oregon, of course, getting in. No one saw that coming. Uh, how shocked were you? I mean, we heard Jamie Dixon make his pitch this week after losing in the Big 12 tournament to Kansas State. What do you make of it? I'm, I'm mildly surprised, only because both uh, Lenardi and Palm have had them not safely in the tournament field, but they've had them as their last four in consistently for the last few days. I think ultimately what got them, you know, it might have been the Oregon win because they were not expecting Oregon to make the tournament. We, we were only expecting two seeds out of the Pac-12. We ended up with three because Arizona State and Washington still made it. Uh, but I think the other thing that might have worked against them is the fact that TCU lost to Oklahoma twice. And if yeah. you look at the standings in the Big 12, the team with the worst overall record that made it into the tournament was Oklahoma. Well, with Oklahoma sweeping TCU, there's the perfect logic if you're a committee member to pick one or the other. It's pretty rare that you get to sit there with two teams, potentially in this scenario, and say, well, this one beat the other twice, this one should get in. So I could, could certainly have seen the committee make that decision pretty easy for themselves by saying, well, Oklahoma swept TCU, Oklahoma's getting in. And when you look at the overall seeds in the tournament, you know, Oklahoma's in that 
39 area, and they're the they're the lowest seeded Big 12 team when you take the seeds down from one to 68. So when you think about that, the they're, the six Big 12 teams are seeded no lower than 38 in the entire bracket. So the six Big 12 teams that made it, they're in the top 38 in the entire bracket. Mm-hmm. TCU didn't make it. They had a good year. It just wasn't good enough. You know, they, they lost depth in January and February. Uh, they had a really bad finish to the season. Uh, that Texas win helped them a little bit. But I, I feel like they I'm – I'm not even sure, honestly, if they're winning that uh, quarterfinal game would have helped them either. But it, it certainly would have made the committee's decision a lot harder. All right. Um, Texas, you think that team's better off in the NIT, Matthew? I mean, you mentioned that to me this week. Uh, I know Texas fans probably knew it was a long shot, but explain why you think this is the best thing for this program this year. Well, you know, here's the thing. I mean, Shaka Smart obviously is 500 as a coach at Texas over the last four years, and, and that really doesn't sit very well with Texas fans, and I can certainly understand why. But when you look at this team, they've got a great deal of young talent that they're developing. Uh, Courtney Ramey, uh, Jace Febris, uh, Mitro Long. Um, they've got a lot of guys who are expected to come back uh, next year. And if you go to the NCAA tournament, well, you know, hey, that's great, but you're probably only going to be one and done in that tournament uh, just because uh, just because you're a, you're a Texas team that's 16 and 16. You're probably going to be an 11 seed, maybe you get a play-in game. So maybe you end up at most two. You go to the NIT, there's potential for you to get two or three games at least because you'll be one of the best teams in that bracket, even at 16 and 16. Uh, That gives you an opportunity to get these guys on the floor, gives you a few extra games with your players potentially if you're successful, and gives Shaka opportunities to continue to develop these young players. Because remember, when the season's over, it's over. And there's a good stretch there where coaches don't get to do a whole lot with their players because of NCAA rules. So the longer you can extend the season, the longer that you can stay in the gym and stay in the locker room and stay in the film room with your guys and continue to develop them, the better. And that's part of the reason why I think Texas is probably better off in the NIT with a 16-16 and record. They're not going anywhere in this NCAA tournament. They're not good enough to make a big run. Uh, let them do it in the NIT. Let them get to Madison Square Garden. That way you've got at least four games to play and gives shock that time to really start developing these younger players. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. It kind of reminds me, Matthew, of the importance of a young uh you know, college football team making a bowl game, getting the extra practices, helping that pay off for next year. There's some similarities there you can make for a Texas basketball team in the NIT. So I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean you know, the, the one thing coaches hate is not being able to, to coach. Mm. And when you're, uh, when the season's over and there are nobody, no more games to play, there's nobody to coach for a while. So uh, if you, you can extend the season for a couple of weeks, uh, hey, more power to you. Matthew Postens, Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Matthew, will do it again uh, next week. Enjoy this week's slate of games. Hopefully we got a bunch of teams to talk about in the Big 12 and the Sweet 16. Uh, we do, and we've, we've actually got two to talk about in the NIT, too, uh, since those seeds are now out. That's right. Um, We've we got, uh, we got Texas and TCU. They both went to the NIT. TCU, interesting, they're a number one seed in their, in their bracket. Good. Um, and they've got um, a game coming up on Wednesday against Sam Houston State, a team that I'm very familiar with because they're out of the Southland Conference, which is where my alma mater is. 
Uh, they're going to play uh, 8 p.m. Central on ESPN, one of the ESPNs, uh, ESPNU. And then Texas, they're a number two seed in their bracket. And they've got a really interesting game on Tuesday night down in Austin. They've got South Dakota State. Uh, South Dakota State is a team that, that's gotten a lot of attention because they have a couple of players on their team who I, I believe has scored 3,000 career points uh, for the Jackrabbits. Uh, one of them is Mike Dom, who's actually on the uh, Wooden Award list. Uh, that you know, we just talked, we just sat there and talked about how this could be a really good thing for Texas to get in the IT and get a few games, and then they get a draw like that against a team that really wants to put the put the ball on the basket on an exceptionally consistent basis. Uh, that should be a really interesting game for the Longhorns. And, and if they can get by that, then, you know, they could they could go places in this bracket, absolutely. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm glad that nobody at Texas got parochial and, and turned down the invite. There were, I, I heard some – I saw some talk of that on the Internet, uh, Twitter mostly, just fans like, well, if we're not going to go to the NCAA tournament, I don't really care. And I'm like, well, that's pretty short-sighted of you. Go get the extra games. Go get the opportunity to, to, to go see your team. That game is going to be in Austin on Tuesday night. TCU's game is going to be in Fort Worth on Wednesday night. One nice thing about the NIT, if you're a top four seed, first round, you get to host a game. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's that's ridiculous from Texas fans, but uh, <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad the powers that be wised up. Matthew, good stuff, man. Uh, enjoy the games this week. We'll do it again next week. All right. Thanks, Pete. Good stuff there with Matthew Postens. Appreciate his time as always. And please do rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. I'll get you the free koozie in the mail if you send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you soon.